when I joined the industry, I was at a $35 billion. Four score and seven bank. years ago. Shut up. Shut up, young, young whippersnapper. You could restore it all. And rescue me from You had my fallen You Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, aka Mr. Backup, and I have with me all the way from socially distanced Santa Clara, California, Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going? What's going on, Curtis? It's still lockdown time, right? We're recording this on April 30th, so we're still... And they just extended the shelter in place till the end yeah, of Yeah, they have it. May. Yeah, and California has officially, or the governor has officially told local authorities to close the beaches because some of us, <clears throat> Oceanside, where I live, opened the beaches. <laughs> I was I was going to say if it's really bad down there in San Diego. Yeah, so some of us open the beaches, and then um, yeah, so the governor just told us to close the beaches. By the way, although Persona and I do work for Druva, this is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are all Personas. And that's actually <laughs> the first time that Curtis has gotten that right in probably the last four <laughs> podcasts. So the other day we did the Tiger King episode. Yes. Right. And I know I still have not seen it, but I just wanted to plug and say that. Did you know that it was overtaken as the most watched documentary? No. What? What's the new one? Wait, I, is it the coronavirus one? No. Oh, because there's a coronavirus documentary. It's The Last Dance, which is about Michael Jordan. Oh, you know what? My wife has been, my wife's a huge basketball fan and huge Jordan fan. So. Well, I guess I got to go watch that now. She said that she was watching it. I haven't watched it yet, but I did just notice that they're playing all the episodes again, I think Saturday or Sunday. So the first weekend in May. So I think there are four episodes in. So if you want to catch it's up on online, it. It's not online. It's like on the TV. I think it's playing live on ESPN, but I believe that you might be able to watch it online through certain cable providers oh, okay. and i, I think it's in netflix if you are outside of the states it must be pretty popular and i, and I was i was a michael jordan fan well i am a michael jordan fan i got to see him one time i got to see him play one time in in real real that in real life in real life <laughs> I get to real. See him play. yeah i get to see him play we lived in chicago for for a couple of years and i had a friend that had season tickets so we got to see him play one time was it the years with rodman yes yes and we could see Roger Ebert too down on the floor. Which, mm. for those of you that know who remember who Roger Ebert was, I'm glad to hear it's a good documentary. I, I don't watch something just because my wife watches it because there's our tastes are definitely <laughs> are definitely different. Mass Singer. That's all I want to say. <laughs> but I, I can watch I can watch that show in about ten minutes. I just want to see the performances and the unmasking. You want to skip all the drama and everything else in between. I want to skip all the drama and the potential guesses and stuff and the clues and just just show me the people, show me the performances, and then and then I'll see the unmasking to see who who the person is that's being kicked off. And it takes me about ten minutes to do that. And the show is two hours long. So let's talk about the cloud. We happen to work for a cloud-based data protection provider, but not everything there is that phrase you, you've heard the phrase i know you've heard me say it that to a hammer everything looks like a nail <laughs> right mm -hmm. so even though the only way we do data protection is to the cloud all of our customers data is ultimately stored in the cloud even though that's the case the, 
I thought we'd talk about some of the different workloads that are out there and whether or not they like is the cloud the most appropriate place for them or not and so l- let's start with some let's start with some easy ones let's talk about cloud-based workloads <laughs> so but i want to store my cloud-based workload on premises come on yeah i i so this is one of those where so if it's saas right so let's talk about saas so let's talk about office 365 g suite salesforce uh, you know github whatever you're 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 using a SaaS service and you're storing, creating and storing data there. Um, There are, there are three different methods. One is the, the head in the sand method, which I am not a fan of, and I will be happy to point you to many blogs and podcasts where we talk about that. Which basically is you assume that everything is always protected by the SaaS provider and you don't have to worry about anything. Right. That is not a valid assumption. Uh, Quick, quick, statement, please go check your service agreement and look for the words backup or restore or recovery or anything like that. And let me know when you find them. If you find them, you can be a guest on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And by the way, I'm not saying all SaaS vendors, they're just all the ones that I know of. They they just believe that like data protection is your responsibility. And it's weird that it's so common that people think it's not their responsibility. They think it's part of the offering of a SaaS service. You run into that, right? You've seen people say that? Oh, yeah, all the time. And to be fair, though, even if I personally use a cloud service, I'm sure most people, I'm not one of these, most people will probably say, oh, yeah, it's just lives in the cloud. I don't need to worry about it. For instance, Google Mail or your contacts, if Mm -hmm. you use like Google or whatever else, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I trust that they have my data. But have you ever seen the case where you lose your mailbox? It kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah. So I know I joked at the beginning of this about how you back up a cloud app on premises. Mm-hmm. But that's actually what I do with my Gmail. <laughs> what do you What do you do? I actually sync my Gmail to my Apple Mail, which runs locally on my system. I pull down all the emails periodically, and then I disconnect it, and I do a time machine backup. Now that I'm impressed. I have to say I'm impressed. Now I feel now I feel inadequate. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. But you're you're not you're not paying for something there. Um, no, I'm not. I mean other than the store the storage aspect. I what what I would probably object to is me paying personal money, like actual money to back up a free resource. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be, that's the part that's that is difficult for me. Um, but, but it's something very different than, than Gmail and Google, you know, uh, G suite, right. Which is your company's corporate communication system. Uh, that's how, that we happen to use uh, G suite. Right. Yep. Um, and then other people use office 365 and they're not backing it up for you. Um, they do some level of data protection, but it's really all about disaster recovery for them, not disaster recovery for you, not if you lose your whole account. It's if their data center goes bye-bye. Uh, but remember, that is only one. Um, and In fact, I would argue that is the least likely thing. The thing that is least likely to happen to your data is to have a disaster take it out. I would say human human attacks are much more likely. Would you agree? I would agree. It's like people who buy or who live in an area where they get a uh, serious flood like every thousand years. 
and they buy flood insurance. Right. It's to protect against the very, very, very unlikely scenario, not your everyday case. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, uh, so the question is, what is, where is it appropriate to back up that? My opinion is that that is the perfect workload to back up to the cloud. And, and I don't understand why someone would want to, given the choice, why someone would want to back up their cloud-based workload to an on-prem appliance or system. No, I agree. It's a lot of headache. You're taking data out of something and putting it somewhere else, and you have to manage all of the network and all of the storage capacity and basically negating a lot of the benefits of the cloud for your backup infrastructure. No, that's actually a really interesting point, right? So one of the beautiful things about Office 365, just to to use that as an example, you don't have to worry about storage for Office 365. You just, you you pay for a license and magic happens. I think there are quotas, right? You can set quotas per uh, user. User. Uh, But but I think it's like a terabyte or whatever per user. Um, And then... So the first thing, if you're going to back up Office 365 or whatever SaaS service, the first thing you're going to need to do is you need to size it. How do you find out how big your Office 365 environment is? Well, I don't know. I, I to be honest, no. I don't know either. It's I don't think Office Microsoft they really talk about that from a size perspective, right? They it's don't. Because why? Users. Why would you care? Yeah, because you care more yeah. about users, yeah, you, right? Yeah, you can see the size of individual mailboxes and things like that, but like what you need is the size of all the all of the mailboxes, all of the um, SharePoint data, all of the OneDrive data, and add that up, and then and then you need to size a system to handle all of that, and then you need to deal with the the network and all of that all of that stuff to to deal with that if you were doing an on prem system. And then who would you even go to to ask what my change rate is per day? You know, like I'm just like mind boggled. Like if I'm on premises, if I'm using like VMware or an Oracle database or whatever else, right, I can go to the DBA or the VM admin and hopefully they can either look at their tools or whatever else to give you an estimate of, hey, here's your change rate. But if like I'm an office admin, office 365 admin, do I even get that information? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there may be. I just... I, I would just say that first you have to f- you would have to figure out how to get that information, then you would have to translate that into a system capacity and a network capacity. So I just I just I, I guess my question is why would you do that if your alternative is uh, going cloud to cloud where you don't have to worry about the network, you don't have to worry about the storage, you don't have to worry about the computer, you don't have to worry about any of it. You just have to worry about a you know pay a fee for whatever the whatever the appropriate fee from the vendor in question. We're not the only ones that do. <laughs> Backup just to clarify though cloud to cloud can also mean though because i know you're talking about no network no storage no compute but cloud to cloud can also mean someone running their own software to do office 365 backups and hosting it yeah i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up because i would say i don't understand why you would do that either no Uh, i agree why you would i agree again i just want to take on-prem software no no, that's a good point why you would take on-prem software and then run it in the cloud on a vm that you manage now what you're dealing with is, you know, you're renting a box and you're managing a box. All you did was you just moved the problem. You moved it up to the cloud. You, yeah. you, you have all the same problems. The only one you don't have is the physical hardware 
uh, part of it, right? You have all the same problems that you had on-prem, except now you're renting the infrastructure instead of paying for it. And going back to that um, argument, right? It's Okay, so... Okay. It's all you. That was my exponential back off. Did you like that? <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> it's like in networking when you have Your two exponential packets. Exponential back off? Yeah, it's like in networking when you have two packets collide, the both uh the both uh hosts they do an exponential back off. So they don't overlap because otherwise you might get a case where they just constantly keep um keep uh You're colliding. You're such a nerd. You are such a nerd, but I love you. <laughs> I love so, you too. So, so what do you? So, what were you talking? What was the point you were trying to make? I was trying to make the point that, um, in addition, if you are using a SaaS application, it's because you don't want to deal with all the management and all the rest of that, and to have to then use that for your backup, it's kind of going backwards in time. Right. I. I, I, you know, if I, if I look at the other side of that argument, let's say, you know, if I look at a company who sells just that type of stuff, um, the, the argument might be that they might make a cost argument that you pay a license one time and then you don't have to pay for it. I guess I would just argue that, that, you know, again, it goes back to if you didn't have to manage your backup system, why would you want to? No one wants to manage a backup <laughs> system, right? I mean, that, that has been one constant throughout my entire life. If you could solve this problem without having to manage a backup system, right? Why, why would you do so? It's, it's a little bit like once you've discovered Uber and Lyft, you never rent a rental car again, you know, when you're traveling. You just get in a car and you just go. If, if you could have a car magically appear and disappear when you need it. Uh, why would you rent a rental car in a city? Which is why, by the way, the rental car business has tanked since the <laughs> since the invention of, uh, like a lot of other businesses, why the rental car business has tanked since the invention of Uber and, and Lyft. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, okay, so so we agree, uh, and we might have somebody else on that might disagree. It'd be interesting to see if they could. I know of at least one listener who's listening right now. I know who you are that disagrees probably with this. Maybe we'll have them on and see uh, what they think about it. Just also playing that other listener's point of view, right? The other thing that they might also be concerned mm -hmm. with is sort of control of their data, right? If you do have those strict governance requirements. You know what? Thanks, Prasanna. That's a valid concern for some people, right? They don't want their data in the hands of another vendor. Uh, I know Druva tries to talk about that and and tries to like say, hey, it's it's encrypted. It's encrypted in a way that we can't see it. All all those kind of things. We we do our best to assuage those fears, but in the end, some people will just say either I believe I have a regulation that says I can't do it, or you know, company policy or whatever. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the uh, next workload: laptop backup. Uh, first off, does anybody backup laptops? <laughs> I do. I've been I've been trying to get people to backup laptops for a long time. I'm glad to hear that you that you back up your laptop. But I'm also one of those very paranoid people, so. Yeah, just remember, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean nobody's out to get you. But but most people don't back up their laptops, right? Most companies don't back up their endpoints. Probably not. They say things like, you know, the if if there's important data, they should put it on the server. If there's important data, they should put it in their OneDrive folder. Uh, and then they sync OneDrive up to the, the cloud. And then they don't back up OneDrive. <laughs> Yeah. Some, some companies do that, right? They 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 think of OneDrive as a backup. It's like, no, OneDrive is not a not a backup system. It is a thing to be backed up. You're yeah. 
you're, you got the, you put the accent on the wrong syllable. It could protect you from someone's laptop going away, but it doesn't protect. It's not the same as a backup. You are correct. Backups of laptops are typically almost like an afterthought. People usually think about, okay, what's mission critical for my business? And that's usually their application hosts, their virtual machines. Laptops are like, meh. Yeah, I would say in a world of coronavirus, people maybe are feeling a little bit different because the servers that maybe they counted on before weren't available, et cetera. So let's go back to the question. Where is it appropriate to back that up? I This is one where I really feel strongly like, I don't know why you would do it anywhere else in the cloud because... Backing it up to an on-prem system now you now you're dealing with firewalls and things like that and restores and you know and and you're having to manage all the storage and everything all the things that we talked about before it would just seem like putting this system in the cloud or using a service that's in the cloud that makes perfect sense for all these resources that are just all over the place right not sitting inside a data center that definitely sounds fair and I think it's also the fact that traditionally right laptops desktops aren't really co-located in one location next to their backup systems. They are spread throughout. So now you have to start thinking about network utilization and distance and everything else. So you might as well not have those restrictions if you don't need them. All right, let's talk about, let's go back, let's go backwards here. All right. So laptops, I think backing up with laptops is a good idea. I understand why some people don't do it, but, and I don't know why you, why you would do it anywhere else other than the cloud. Let's talk about IaaS vendors, right? We talked about cloud cloud workloads before, but we talked about SaaS. What about Amazon? GCP? Azure. How should you back up? You should back those up. Well, you should back them up. And this is really easy because they definitely are not backed up. They don't do anything that even pretends to be backup for those services and they and they have it in this in the SLA that it's your responsibility. This one's easy. You definitely should back them up. So here's my question. I don't know of any body that's backing up like AWS or Azure to the data center. I don't, is that, is that a thing? I is don't anybody doing that? think I've seen anyone doing that. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I don't think there's any competition here, really. The question is, the, the, so, so this is, this is definitely a cloud-based workload and it's a cloud-based workload that should be protected in the cloud, but I'm going to put a big old butt here and that is make sure that it's stored in another account in another region. Please, yes. for the love of all that's sacred, please do that. Do not become the next codespaces.com where you get hacked and then poof, both your data center and your backups of your data center are all deleted in the same stroke. Please don't do that. Copy it to another account in another region. So here's a question for you though. Uh-huh. What would you say though, if someone said, should I take my AWS resource and actually back it up to another cloud provider. I think if you could do that, I don't see anything wrong with that. If you could do that and you could do it in a supported way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You obviously are going to incur the biggest of the egress charges because if, if you do it to another account in another uh, region, I think if you do that, you, you've isolated as much as you can within a cloud provider. Uh, if, there's a, if there's a rolling code bug that takes out all EC2 hosts, you know, and all S3 objects worldwide, then you are absolutely screwed. But and there are a but, ton of other people who are absolutely screwed as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Netflix is gone. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that are gone. But and but I think that that isolates is as good. Getting it to Azure is a lot harder from a technological basis, and it's a lot more expensive because you're paying egress charges on everything. 
I, but I don't object to it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, I would just say it, it's just going to cost you a lot more. That would be all I would say about that. I have no complaints about it other than that. I, I think, though, people should be careful not only about egress charges, though, but things people don't always think about are like, how do I learn a new management interface, right? Becoming an AWS expert is hard enough. Becoming an AWS expert and an Azure expert is very difficult. And understanding how these two technologies, because each one, even though they have instances and database types and all the rest, they all have their own nuances and are different. So yep. it's not like yep. you can really make them cross compatible. No, they're not cross compatible. And, and I will say, I will basically attach your statement as a caveat to my statement. I'm going to say that my recommendation or my saying I didn't have any problem with it, that is based on the assumption that you know what you're doing over in Azure or GCP. Right. If you're learning GCP just to do a backup of AWS, I hope it's just a copy of it, not the only copy of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because then if you, right. Or you could be possibly using a service that happens to use GCP or just another cloud and, and they, they hide that complexity from you. So that then I would be okay with that because everything you said is completely true. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's talk about the data center. And again, I'm, I'm going to say that, and yes, maybe it's because I've been at, at Druva for a couple of years and I, I've- Has it I, been two years? Drink, it's been- Two and a half. It's, dude, it's, it's coming up on three, yeah. Oh my gosh. But but again, it goes it goes on 25 years plus you know, experience in its industry. Nobody wants to be the backup person. So if that's the case, if we just sort of accept that as a, <laughs> as a, as a way to, as an MO- Right. So what I'm saying is if you use, if you do it the Druva way, not just Druva, but there are other companies that are that are similar to us. If you do it the SaaS backup way, then you don't have to be the backup person. You don't have to do all of the painful things that a backup person does. Right. You don't have to deal with all the painful parts of dealing with backup. The capacity management. Yeah, yeah. You could do the things that you want to do and focus on adding value to the business. Exactly. And you could do to do fun things like restores. <laughs> <laughs> you could, you could be the savior, you know, instead of having all the pain. So I said, you know, with that caveat, I go back to, so the question is, if you can do it to the cloud and specifically to a SaaS service, wh why wouldn't you? So, so we'll talk about some of the, why wouldn't you, right? So, so first off, we talk about robos, right? Remote office, branch office. Again, this is something where I think it's much harder without the cloud, because again, like laptops, you're talking about if you're going to do this without the cloud, you're talking about, if you've got 20 remote sites, you're talking about 20 backup systems, you're talking about 20 contracts with Iron Mountain or the like, and 20 different processes that you have to manage and coordinate every day to get your backups done. And just imagine when things fail, like I need to replace a disk or I need to expand storage, right? The IT footprint there. Yeah also becomes complicated. And imagine some of these retail stores too, right? Where they might have a backup system per retail store and there might be hundreds of them throughout the country. Yeah, I remember a company that I worked at where we had a remote backup system for each remote office. And it was done so that the backup would run, it ran to a uh, DDS drive that was in the server of each remote site. And then it would eject that tape. And then that ejected tape was supposed to be taken out and handed to someone, you know, a man in the van. What we found out after many months of that being in production, what was happening was that um, either one of two things happened. Either the tape would get ejected and then never put back in. And so the backups would fail. 
or the tape would just get pushed back in. Ugh. <laughs> so, which defeats the purpose. Yeah. The, the, so basically, the the uh, there, there was no history of the of the backup stuff. In one case, there was a. I remember one person that uh, it was the security guy's responsibility to take the tape out, put it in a special box that was to ship that tape to Iron Mountain. Uh, they did it via FedEx, actually. They didn't have an Iron Mountain cut. So they, they would FedEx all these tapes. Well, then one day somebody opened up the... Oh, and then after X number of weeks, they would ship that bu- that box back uh, without opening it. And that's the key thing. <laughs> so it was a special box just for the tape. They'd ship it to them. And then two weeks later, they'd ship it back. One day, somebody decided to look in the boxes. None of them had any tapes in them. I was going to ask, do they like rattle it? Well, they, they, the person just pushed the tape back in and shipped an empty box offsite every single day. That's what the person was doing. So for, for reasons like this, if you can eliminate the human being in that remote site <laughs> and managing the, managing the hardware and all of that, then I would say yes. And so I think, so remote sites for me, I don't know why you would do it any way other than a cloud-based service. I don't know why you would do that, managing all those remote systems. Do, any, any comments on that? No, I agree, especially for remote offices. So let's talk about the one where the discussion's possibly a little bit harder, and that is a BFTC, a big, friendly data center. Big is relative. When I joined the industry, I was at a $35 billion Four score seven years ago. Shut up, up, young young whippersnapper. I was at a $35 billion company whose whose entire data center was, drumroll, 300 gigabytes. Nice. That was huge. That was huge back in the day. And I remember when we got our first server that was 100 gigabytes, and I had no idea how I was going to back that up, back that up with a 4 gigabyte uh, DDS drive. <laughs> I was going to swap tapes 25 times. But bigger is relative. The The amount of bandwidth is, has gotten bigger. So there's kind of three different ways to have a solid on and offsite backup system. One would be physical media with a man in the van. Uh, the other would be to have an alternate system somewhere that you own on like you have a multi-site system where your remote site is has hardware and then you do the old like a to b b to a mm-hmm. system where bidirectional each site backup backs up to itself but then replicates those backups to another site that you own mm-hmm. I, I, i've seen that nothing nothing wrong with that and i've seen uh now i've seen people do that to say, you know, like a data domain type system. And then there's another system up in the cloud and they have the cloud version of whatever on-site system they have. And then they replicate it up in the cloud. That's, and then of course the final uh, one would be the way Druva does it, which is, you know, dedupe on-prem, send the backups up to off-site. The the question of the podcast is what workloads are appropriate for the cloud. And this is where I think that the question gets harder. Because there are some data centers, can, can we acknowledge, there are some data centers that are so big that it would be very difficult to back up their data to the cloud. I agree, depending on what their change rate is and everything else, but yes. Depending on the size of the data center and the change rate. And the network bandwidth, the three factors. And the network, yes, those are the three factors. Yeah. How much data you have, how much is it going to change, and how much bandwidth you have, right? Give it, you know, give an unlimited bandwidth. Um <laughs> You're good to go. Physics no longer applies, right? Yeah, physics no longer applies. So there is some number where the way we do things 
doesn't work for the folks from Truva that are listening are like, what? How dare you say that? I mean, there's just a number for each company where, and I would say this is within a single data center. So, so it's not about you've got 20 petabytes in a hundred data centers. This is about you've got 20 petabytes in a data center with what I would consider to be some sort of normal change rate, 1%, let's say 1% with source ID duplication, 1% nominal change rate. What is that? If you got 20 petabytes, what's 1% of 20 petabytes? 200 terabytes. 200 terabytes? Yep. So you're going to have to replicate 200 terabytes a day. If that's fine, then we're fine. <laughs> and <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like even at that scale, like I've seen some um, NAS systems where you start to get multi-petabyte. And sometimes the best practice of how do you back that up is periodically you just let it do a full backup or NDMP incremental backups. And the rest of the time, it's just replication and snapshots because there is no real way to back it up. Like at some point, once you get to certain sizes, it's just difficult, right? Physics comes in. At some point, any backup system breaks. Yeah. Let's take the number two. I don't know. What's beyond a petabyte? Exabyte. What is it? I forgot. So let's say you have an exabyte in a single data center based on current technology, current internet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think you're going to be able to. (laughs) So at some point, it definitely breaks, right? So the question is, at what point does it work? I would say take the size of your single data center. Again, we're talking about a single data center. Make an assumption that you, this is not an assumption you can go to production with, but make an assumption that you have a nominal change rate, which I'm going to say less than 1%. Look at what 1% of the size of your data center is and see, can I upload that amount of data each day without, you know, let's assume you spread it out throughout the day. Can I upload that amount of data in a day and 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 be okay with it, right? So that's one question. What's the next question we have to ask or answer? How fast can I get my data back? Yeah, Exactly. Because that's what really matters. So, you know, when you when you do that first backup, because if you are that is one challenge with the cloud. If you're if you've got a petabyte size data center, petabyte plus, getting that first backup to the cloud is gonna be fun. Uh, there there are there are seeding technologies. We I know we use them. There are seeding technologies that you can get the data, get that first backup up there. But then we gotta talk about getting that data back. So and I know that there are different ways to handle that. I know we use, I think we use all of the ways. Right, so you can have a local cache of the data. You can have uh, your data shipped back to you, so reverse seeding, I would call that. And then there is doing DR in the cloud. Is that all of them? Direct from cloud. I'm just saying, direct from cloud is not really an option with multi petabytes of data, right? With, with a, I mean, that's going to take you an awfully long time. So reverse seeding would be one. Then local caching would be another. And then the other would be restoring that data in the cloud. And I think, and again, let's go back to what's appropriate for the cloud. Assuming that your change rate and your bandwidth and the level of deduplication that you're getting, or, or if it's just replication, right? Backup is the not the only way. Some people do replication and DR-based backup to get to the cloud. Or snapshots. Or snapshots. Yeah, well, it's kind of the same thing, right? So basically just incrementally updating the the source data, right? Assuming that we can get it up there, I think that the thing that makes the most sense to recover very quickly a large amount of data is to recover that data in the cloud because we can stage it. We can stage it in the cloud. We can get it ready to go. And then you can just easily you know, push a button and, and spin your entire data center up. And there, there's nothing faster than a recovery that's already been done. I agree. And I think that's where you'll start to see more and more people lean towards, assuming you can get the price point down. Because the hard part is um, 
recovery is much faster, especially when you're looking at how do I recover this entire NAS. But it comes down to the cost of how much does it cost me to keep that standby copy available. If you can drop the cost and make it very competitive, I think you will start to see more people accept that. It's kind of like in the past, you would look at DR and say, hey, I always want a copy of my second data at near synchronous um, RTOs, right? But then the problem is that comes at a hefty cost. And so everyone would slowly start backing down and say, okay, really, what is really needed for the business and what does that cost? I think if we can make it cheap enough, then customers would see sort of this instant recovery in the cloud as a more viable option than having to have another DR data center, a second copy offsite, et cetera. Yeah, agreed. Because because if cost was not an issue, we'd all be using CDP by now. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when... When CDP came out, like uh, I, many years ago, yep. and it, like it looks so amazing from a functionality standpoint. The idea, of, you know, infinite, you know, zero RPO, zero RTO. How amazing is that? It was also one million dollars, right? Yeah, he, um, one million dollars with my pinky sticking up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just turned out it was just really expensive, like prohibitively expensive. So as awesome as the cloud can be, if it's too expensive, then then that's not a reason to do it. It's going to cost something. But I think that if you have a system that can turn on, basically, that can pre-stage your data, get it ready to go, and so that at time of restore, you can just push a button and you can just start running your data center from the cloud and you're only really paying for those resources when they're being used. I, I don't see DR getting any better than that, like logistically and cost wise. I think that's a holy grail. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, you, you, there, there are a couple of different ways you either do it via, via backups. You can also do it via replication. I think the replication method uh, is going to allow you to have both a tighter RTO and an, uh, and an RPO, but it, I, I think it might cost more than the alternative, but it, it could it could have it could meet tighter demands. I think that maybe is even better. But either way, what you're doing is mainly what you're paying for day to day is just the storage aspect. And then you've got all the compute networking standing by to be ready to go if you declare a disaster. I, I don't know how that how it could get better than that. And isn't that what's great about the cloud? You only pay for what you need when you need it. That and that and that's going back. This is about what's appropriate for the cloud. DR is the ultimate thing appropriate for the cloud. I, I don't know any better way to do DR for most companies than doing it in the cloud. And the way that I described where you're really only paying for the storage until you declare a disaster, and then you get all the compute uh, networking that you need. Uh, and then there are people that have done DR in the cloud, and then they liked it so much, they just stayed. They're like, wow, this is so much easier than running a data center. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know that's why we ended up having to add some features towards that. We didn't cover all the things. There are some things like IoT, IoT devices, cloud I don't know, I don't know why you would do why you would send IoT data to anywhere other than the cloud. But we we covered I think most data types. Any any final thoughts? I guess the one thing I would uh, throw in as well is when you're thinking of your backup solution, don't necessarily look for one solution that covers everything. It's okay to run multiple solutions that might be better suited to one workload or another workload. I know sometimes we tend to think, oh, I want one ring to rule them all, but it's not really needed. And there are pros and cons for each solution and use the one that's appropriate in 
for that workload? You know, I've argued both ways in my career. I, I think if you can find a single solution that meets all your needs, that it meets all your requirements, and I, I would prefer that over multiple solutions. But if there, there are examples and, you know, and, and I remember back when a hundred years ago, you know, when Veeam first came on the, the, the scene and I remember not wanting people to abandon the net backups and the networkers and the TSMs of the world and Commvault to go to use Veeam to back up just their VMs. I remember being against the idea of multiple backup systems because of the same thing you mentioned earlier of, of complexity uh, management. complexity and having a manager, right? Mm-hmm. But at the time, Veeam was so much better than what was being offered by, by all the competitors that people, they liked it so much better than, than what they had that it gave them a reason to, uh, to jump ship for, quote unquote, just the VMs. And, you know, we, we all know what happened next. <laughs> there, there was no just the VMs. The VMs were just the data center. <laughs> and it worked out well for Veeam. So good for them. Anyway, well, my final thoughts would be just, uh, you know, I'm going to say the same thing again. You know, do the math, right? So do the math. See what having an on-prem system costs you in terms of both purchase price of the software, purchase price of the hardware, and the day-to-day operational costs making sure to take into account all of the actual costs and also the just the mental costs of running a backup system, which can often be quite uh, daunting. And then see if it's possible. Why Curtis has so much white hair. Yeah, it's, yeah, which is most of them. Uh, see if it's possible to do it directly to the cloud via a SaaS provider um, and just do the math and see what that math looks like. And then Give them your impossible challenge, you know, give them your your um, your impossible dream and see if it's possible and let them tell you they can't do it. Don't just automatically assume you can't do it because it's a SaaS vendor on the other side of the Internet. Don't forget to back up your laptops. Don't forget to back up your laptops. Yeah, especially now in the days of coronavirus where people are increasingly mobile. There's just there's just too much data that's out and about that's not being protected. So and back up your SaaS data. My thing is back up your SaaS data. If you think you're you don't need to back up your SaaS data. Number one, you're wrong. Number two, it's like I said, go look at your SLA and find the word backup or recovery in there because you're not going to. Yeah, I'm going to say thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. System isn't worth a spade. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead, it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spade.
for once it'll be completely done. Maybe one day it'll be done.